ministry for now 15, going on 15 years. I'm going to be teaching you tonight on a parable. Some people call it the solar parable. I'm not really sure why they call it the solar parable because it's very little about a solar and it's a whole lot about what he's sowing out there in the person's hearts that he's sowing it into. And I've heard this for years, these teachings about the parable of the sower. It comes in three different places, in Matthew, Mark, and, uh, and Luke. It's not in the Gospel of John, but it's in those three. And they're a little bit different, a uh, little different twist on all three of them. So if you really want to get a good balanced view of all of it, you really do need to look at all three of them and study all three of them. But the whole idea of the sower is, it's talking about man's heart that he is receiving seed or the word from God and the effects that it goes through in that man's heart. Places that it has to pass through in order to go from being a seed to a final fruit. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish is a fruit that comes from this seed. This is, this is a very, very, very important parable. Most people don't realize just how important this parable really is. Jesus spoke in parables all through his ministry, and he tells you in some places, they ask him, why did you speak in parables? And he said, I speak in parables because of the people that are out there, their hearts are so hardened that there's actually a curse upon mankind, that their hearts will be hard, they won't be able to hear the gospel. If they would, he said, I would turn and heal them. And so he speaks everything in parables. And it's up to the individual that that seed falls on whether he can receive that teaching or not. And most people do not receive the seed as it comes into their heart. Most people can't handle it. It just goes right over their head. And they think that he is an interesting teacher. They Well, that was interesting that he talked about that. He talks about seed. He talks about growth. He talks about sheep he talks about all kinds of different things that they're familiar with and so to them it just sounds like a wise teacher and they've heard quite a bit of that and so that kind of tickles their ear and they go off unchanged the whole idea it's about revelation it's what it's actually about it's a teaching of revelation and how revelation works in the heart of people and so it's an extremely important Parable. In fact, he told his own disciples, he said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? And when you can't understand a parable of how to understand parables, if you can't understand how to understand parables, you don't have much of a chance of being able to receive what he's trying to teach. And so it's extremely important in that regards. Revelation is something that is, uh, I believe, is not clearly taught in most churches nowadays. Revelation, and an example of Revelation, if you read your Bible, and all of a sudden here's a verse that you've read a hundred times before, and something just pops off the page at you, and you say, wow, I've never seen that before. Guess what I've just heard from the Bible? Guess what I just got out of this? Well, that's Revelation that you're getting and so there's this, this spurt of, of excitement that hits you when God can finally speak to you in Revelation. And so this is, what this, is, this is why it's extremely important. I'm going to talk 
a little bit, first of all, about Revelation. This is about the parable of the sower, but it's about Revelation, and that's what it's about. And I want to talk to you about Revelation. Do you remember when Jesus walked with his disciples, and he said, who do men say I am? And some of them said, now some of his disciples said, you're the prophet. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Come back. And Jesus then said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're God's son. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-John. Man didn't give you that, but my father gave you that which said that he got something that was not common for people to grasp. Somehow, he got that revelation because he's with Jesus. And it, it, Peter's just a fisherman. I mean, he gets, they talk about him being a rambunctious one who would jump at things, try to walk on the water and all these other things. But he was aggressive enough that he found out who Jesus was. From above, he got it. That's revelation. That's revelation. That's not easy to come back. That's not. Eleven of them didn't get it. Walked with him just every day, just like Peter did. Eleven of them walked right past it and didn't lay hold of that. But Peter, the one of the twelve, got that. Remember the apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is out there persecuting the church. He's holding cloaks of those who are stoning some of the church. He then goes on an assignment to go after more of the church. So he's with a whole crew of people on horseback. And as he's on horseback, all of a sudden, he gets confronted by Christ on that horseback. And he's flat on his back in the middle of the road wondering what is going on here and he said why do you persecute me so and so paul's experience with jesus he tells him get he's blind he get up go into town there'll be a man that'll meet you there he will remove the blinders from your eyes and he's going to tell you everything that i've got ready for i've prepared for you paul now jesus is not there in the person jesus is already resurrected Here's Paul talking to him, flat on his back in the dust on Damascus Road. Then what he does, and Paul's life is extremely interesting, then what he does is he goes and he gets Cornelius to have the, the scales removed from his eyes so that his blindness goes away, and then he takes off and he leaves the country. He goes off by himself for years. First time he comes back, I believe it's like three years later he comes back to Jerusalem. But then it's later, it's 14, 15 years before he ever comes back to Jerusalem, and he's spending time out there with God. Now here's a man who was firmly believing in his heart that Christians are just, these people are need to be killed. This is such a call. But now he's spending time with God, and he's spending time in God showing him stuff out there on his own by himself. And finally, he comes back and he said, I came back by revelation that I'm going to check with the, the apostles and I'm going to run these things by them 
so that I can find out if I've been running my race in error or not. I've been out there 15 years. And I've got the Spirit is out there teaching me things. Now I'm going to talk to the apostles and I'm going to run this by them and I want to let's compare some notes when I get back there and let's see if I'm on track. When he does get back there and he talks to them, he said, they added nothing to my message. And the apostles had spent all this time with Jesus, learning from him. Paul never spent time with Jesus when Jesus was here in the flesh. But now he spends all this time with him when he's out in the desert someplace. And his story jives completely with what the apostles were teaching. Interesting. He got by revelation what they had by inspiration sitting around Jesus and talking to Jesus about their, their stories are the same thing. And then he comes back in his later teachings and he says, I know it's kind of strange with you guys. I've learned some mysteries while I was out there with him. I've learned some mysteries where Christ, how Christ fits into this whole scheme of things and, and the purpose for Christ and how he was to be here, how he was mentioned in the scriptures, how the prophets all talked about him. So he says, I've learned some mysteries. And he tells the people, he said, I know you probably have some questions as to how I've come across some of this teaching because he's gotten revelation straight from the Lord out there in the desert someplace. So revelation, then he says, another place, he said, in Galatians 12, 1, 12, he says, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul has laid out there in the desert and he has grasped Revelation after revelation after revelation from Christ himself out there. So revelation is not so easy to come by. How often does it happen that they leap off the page at you? Every now and then, it'll do that. Not every time I sit down to read, it sure does not. doesn't come that quick, come that easy. It's by revelation. So this is what revelation, this is what I want you to do is I want you to get in the mindset with the sower. This is about revelation. This is not about the Holy Spirit. Now, what I've grown up with and you've grown up with is you hear the evangelists speak about the sower and the seed that was sown into the heart of the lost man, right? And so we get to the place that we're thinking that the sower, parable of the sower is all about lost people. It is. It is about lost people. But that's not all it's about. There's a lot more to the sower than just lost people. The reason you get a lost person in there because it works very well and it is very much like that as people come to know Christ. When people come to know Christ, they come into church year after year after year and they set up with the gospel message that seeds, that seed word that's coming into those people's hearts. But they don't respond. And I used to think, how is it that they could possibly come here week after week after week and hear the gospel message, hear the, hear the fact they're lost, and never move? I don't understand it. And then one day it's like, pow, you can't keep them off the altar. 
friend of mine had been preached to. We used to go and visit him. I was in a Baptist church, and we would evangelize people by going into their homes and telling them about Christ and giving them the gospel message. And we always come out and say, boy, how many times are we going to go see that person and them not catching what we're trying to get to them? It's almost just, we try the Roman road. We would try this. We would try that. We would try this. We would practice on each other. It's like, I don't understand this. But then one day, they moved. We had a friend who we preached to, taught to, evangelized 10 years over in Georgetown. 10 years. He had, we had a revival one night, and a guy gets up there and gives his testimony, which was as plain as peanut butter, and the guy gets saved. Boom. Let's go talk to him. Let's go see what, what clicked for this guy. He said, I don't know. He said, you guys have been in my house all these years. And he said, when he started speaking, something started clicking. And you couldn't keep him off the altar. Because now he understood what this was all about. He understood he was lost. He understood he was going to kick the gates of hell wide open, getting in there. He understood that he was, he was lost without a Savior. He needed help. He understood that Jesus was his answer. Come to understand that. And when he gets to that place of understanding, that's what makes him move. If you had somebody running in here right now and said, the building's on fire, and you don't smell smoke, you don't see their clothes are not on fire, you don't hear any sirens, it's like, really? Are you sure? But if somebody comes running up them stairs and he is patting his clothes trying to put the fire out on his clothes and he's coughing smoke when he comes in and you hear the fire trucks pulling up outside and he says, place is on fire, you don't question it. You move at that point because now you understand we got a fire in this place. This is something I want you to remember. Understanding. Understanding has to take place before the gospel can set into a man's heart. And the same thing has to take place, <clears throat> let's expand this just a little bit. If you want to be healed, if you want to be healed from something, you need to come to the understanding of what God says about healing. That lost man had to come to an understanding of what it's like to be saved and why he needed to be saved. And in order for you and myself to lay hold of a healing, we've got to get that word down inside of us and we let the Holy Spirit speak to us and then we're ready to get healed. Other times we're just praying for them, hoping that they will get healed. Same thing happens when it comes down to finding a, a mate. This parable is good for that. This parable is good to find out about a job. This parable is good to find out about your salvation. This parable is good to find out what do I need to do to mend the relationship between me and a brother or a sister. What have I got to do? It's all about a question and the application of God's word getting into my heart so that I can be prepared to get fruit in my life that applies to my situation. Healing, prosperity, bills paid, a job, a mate, salvation. Okay? It's all of those things. 
It's, I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know that until a few years ago, 15 years ago, and I've been working with this now for approximately 15 years, trying to get people to lay hold of this and understand this. But you've got to have revelation. There's one more, one more uh, passage that I want to try to impress you with. This is from the Apostle Paul. This is the Ephesians, what they call the Ephesians prayer. And it has all to do with revelation. It has to do with understanding. It has to do, it's a parallel that runs right alongside this sower of the, of the seed right here. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, this is to Christian. Cease not giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Paul is praying for the church, for Christians. This is what I'm praying for you. I'm thanking God for you, and then I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be opened up, that you'll be able to capture what Jesus has really done for you, that your knowledge level will boost about him. That's what I'm praying. Now, he wouldn't pray that if everybody had that amendment the minute they got up off their knees at the cross and then came forward and got some self-saved. He wouldn't pray that if that was for lost people. He prays this for Christians. That you will catch this. The eyes of your understanding will be opened up. Now, I heard a testimony. I don't know how many of you know about Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin, I've heard this testimony about Kenneth Hagin that years he was preaching out there and finally he told his wife, he said, I'm going over to the, to the, to the uh, he was in the parsonage, he said, I'm going to go over to the church next door I'm going to take my Bible over there don't you, don't you interrupt me I'll come home when I get ready to come home he stayed over there, what was it? Three days and nights on his face before God, studying. When he came home, his wife's name was Aretha. He said, Aretha, my God, what have I been teaching? What have I been preaching? Because the revelation to an experienced minister of the gospel finally came to the man and he realized, I have been preaching a mess. I've got my eyes open, finally. So it changed his whole ministry after that. Because of the revelation, three days and nights, don't bother me. I'm, I'm looking, I'm searching. So 
revelation, even to a man of God like Kevin doesn't come easy. Pay the price for that. You're looking for gold. You're looking for gold. Parable of the soul. I didn't understand how important this was. I didn't. I've heard it for years. It's about the lost man that he put that seed in his heart and birds of the air tried to get it and hard-heartedness tried to stop it. Thorns kept coming up and they'd have to meet with the thorns and then finally the guy gets saved. That's what I've heard all them years. And I'm sending a Toyota one day. I'm working at Toyota and I'm waiting for an alarm system to go off so I can stop what I'm doing, run and get that alarm system just as fast as you can get it. It's like a house on fire. And so because we can't get distracted by other things, we're sitting there waiting. Waiting like a fire person, fire marshal, fireman. And I'm looking at a Kenneth Copeland magazine. Gloria Copeland, Copeland is the writer of this article. And I'm sitting there reading that, and it falls on the soul in her article. And I start reading that article, and all of a sudden, revelation came about that. And as soon as I could get on break, I went and talked to friends of mine. I said, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. It's the most amazing thing I've ever had, getting the revelation of that. And the interesting thing was, as I'm explaining to them some of the things that I've read, more things are coming to me. And they're in the cafeteria, more stuff is coming at me. And it's like, oh, listen to this. I didn't know this. And so as I was putting something out, more was coming back. And that's part of this. That's part of this. I got saved when I was uh, a sophomore in high school. Live like most people do until I got into my 30s. When I was 30, the Lord did an amazing work. And I went from being a heathen to going into the homes, talking about Jesus, evangelizing people for every time everything I would because he so impressed them who he is. He just did a change on this one. Now, because of that, I was sharing the gospel with people when I was fresh up off the altar. And so I never did really struggle with my salvation. Never questioned it. I knew I was saved. Because the more I talked about my salvation, the more firm it got in me. A lot of my contemporaries, they were, you know, how do I know I'm saved? Well, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. And so they were, they were whipped around by the wind and the waves. But I didn't have that problem. And I found out it was because I was talking scriptures. I was talking my salvation. I was sharing my salvation. And because I was sharing my salvation, it was firming up in me the whole time. This is in here. This is in the sower and the seed word. It's in there. The answer to that, how that happened, why that happened. I said there were three sections in the Bible that talks about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark is the one I'm going to focus on. It's, verse, it's chapter 4 of 
Mark, verses 1 through 25. And I'm going to read this. It says, He began again to teach by the seaside. There was gathered unto him a great multitude, that the, so that he entered into a ship and sat in it the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him and with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said to them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing, they may see and not perceive, and that hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and that their sins should be forgiven them. And that's a quote of Isaiah the prophet about the people of his day. And he's quoting about that. And what he's saying is there was a curse upon mankind in his day that the prophet put on the people out there. And that's why they can sit and they can listen, but they don't catch it. And the reason he did that, God is not an unjust God. God doesn't just choose some that he wants to whip and others that he wants to excuse. And he doesn't do that. He does not deafen somebody's ear simply because he chooses not to give them the gospel. What he does do, though, is he has invented gravity. And if I go out here and jump off this building, I'm going to get hurt. Because I got into the law of gravity. I tried to defy the law of gravity. And the same thing applies when it comes to things like this, that a person that sits under his message and refuses to acknowledge him and acknowledge God's move in their life are subject a curse. Just like gravity is to the person who falls off his roof. That becomes a curse to him because he now gets affected by the law. And so the law of the, the, the darkened heart is part of the law of hear the message and don't pay attention to it. There'll be repercussions. There'll be repercussions off that. Not that he hates people, but that's part of the law. That's the way the law works. And he said, in verse 13, And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? That's what I told you about. Oh, this is a key to parables, to all parables. This parable. Lay hold of this parable. Study this thing until you finally get revelation of this parable because it's the most important parable to all parables. He said in verse 14, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, 
Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they that likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time, afterward with affliction or with persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This ideal, I want you to catch this, this ideal of hard-heartedness, stony ground, okay? I used to think, well, that was because people have experienced some bad, they got offended in a church, therefore they don't want to hear about church. Let's just call it, let's just say it that way. Okay? And so therefore their heart is hard about church. That's what I thought it was. Things like that. They have been offended somehow in, in times past, and therefore they have gotten a callous, hard heart towards the gospel message. Someone has told them the mistaken gospel. Someone has held the law over their head. So therefore their hearts are hard. I used to think that. That's not the case. The case of the hard heart is if you do a research on the case of the hard heart, even his disciples, he accused some of his own disciples. Remember when Jesus Jesus rose from the grave and Mary's, and they came to the disciples. They were locked away in that room, and they said, he's risen. And they said, no, yeah, he isn't. No. And then here comes those two disciples from off the, what was it? The Emmaus. He's risen, man. We were talking to him out there. They, they, those two come in, and they go, oh, no, no. Too good to be true. Too good to be, I love them. I wish it would happen, but too good to be true. So their hearts was hard. When Jesus walks in into the room through a locked door, remember that? And he said, now look at the hands. And he said, your heart is hard because you would not believe the women when they came. You would not believe the witnesses when they came. And so therefore, you have a hard heart. This is back to Christ is gone. There's hard-heartedness in the disciples. Could you possibly have a hard heart? <laughs> you bet we could. We certainly could because we have a problem believing some things that somebody else tells us and witness about Christ. Yes, sir, it can happen to us as well. We can have hard hearts as well as anybody else. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, which have, such as fear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitful of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I've got a note down here, an example, the rich young ruler. Remember that? He said he qualified in every way that Jesus was putting out the qualifications on him. He qualified in every way. And he said, sell everything you got and come follow me. Well, uh, that's cares of the world kicked in on him. Right? And the deceitfulness of wealth. Right? So he was a proud example. And as you go through scripture, you're going to find examples every time you turn around now. It'll, it'll show up for you, these examples of this. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth, this is 20, forth fruit and 30-fold and some 60 and some 100. And here's what I want to point out about this. If I have a garden and I plant tomato seeds, I get tomatoes, right? I don't get watermelons, I get tomatoes because I planted tomato seeds. I'll get a fruit, I'll get a crop off that, right? But if I put those seeds in the ground and I don't go out there and I don't take care of them, I don't water them, I don't fertilize them, I just let them grow, 
get some tomatoes. Probably a few. Anyway, I've tried it before, believe me. I'll get some, but not very many, right? On the other hand, if I will care for those tomatoes, I take the weeds and pull it out, and I keep the dirt nice and loose around them, and I keep water to them, and I keep fertilizing and root them. Well, my goodness, I get all kinds of increase in my tomatoes. I'll get a tomato crop, right? Same thing applies in the kingdom principles, and in the fruit, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So if you think you can get saved and not read the Bible, spend very little time in prayer, okay, you won't get much fruit. You can bet you won't. And he said unto them, now, this is the interesting part of it. For years I had no idea that this worked like this. Verse 21, okay? And he said unto them, is a candle, he's been talking about fruit and gardens and seeds and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden he switches, he changes gears. And now he's talking about candles. And I used to think, well, that's a totally different subject. He's got into a totally different parable. And now he's talking about candles, where he was talking about fruit. He's talking the same thing. What, what does fruit and candles have in common? Because when you have that seed and you plant that in there and that grows up in that heart and, and it starts producing fruit, it's no longer a seed, right? It's now life. Come on. It's now light. Well, what is light? Revelation. It's now revelation. So you're not dealing with seed anymore. Now, what you have, what you can deal with there is that seed that produced that revelation, and you know this your own experience, you get saved, and then you go tell a friend of yours you're so excited about how to get saved, and lo and behold, they can get saved too. Because you're a preacher? No. Because you are bearing fruit. And in that fruit, if you go all the way back to Genesis, when he talks about seed, time, and harvest, he said that all this fruit and all these seeds that are in that fruit, I'm giving to you. And so the purpose really of the fruit is for the seed. Think about it. That's why it's there. That's why it's attractive to the birds, so that they'll pick that fruit up, take it out, spread seed. And so the seed will keep on growing. So he's got this thing, he's got this well thought out. He really does. So it becomes light. Now it's revelation. Now it's light. Now see what he says about the light. He said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing here that shall not be manifested, neither was there anything kept secret that it should come abroad. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Best way for you to do something with a word from God is to get into that thing and don't you let that go until it produces fruit in your life because that's why it's there. And it's not going to give you something that you didn't want. It talks about snake and scorpion and bread and all those things. He's not going to give you something different. In fact, he said he'll give you more of the Holy Spirit. You want some more of the Holy Spirit? You ask him to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. You'll see what he'll do. He'll set your life on, the, on your ear about the Holy Spirit if you'll seek him about that. 
question him about that. And he'll do it with his word. His word will come to you. And now it's up to you. It's in your heart. Now it's up to you to do something with it. If you don't do a thing with it, the birds of the air are going to come get it. If it goes into your heart and you've got some hardness that's in your heart towards a brother or sister or the church or anyone else, guess what? You've got a stony heart. And you're subject to not be able to believe because of that. So one of the first things you've got to do is once you find, you get serious about the Lord talking to you about something, get serious about Him. Get serious about the Word. Get yourself in a place where you can hear from Him. And he'll put something in there for you. He said there was nothing hidden that would not be made known. Right? He's told us that. To him who has an ear, let him hear. He said, verse 22, For there is nothing hid which will not be manifested, neither is there anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man has ears, let him hear. Then he says, in verse 24, And he said to them, Take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. It's coming if you got your antennas up. It's coming. For the he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he has. So you get you get lackadaisical about some of the things of God. And, and this is what he let me see was if I went to college and I learned how to become a motorcycle mechanic and I did all this training and then I went out and I said, you know what, I've changed my mind. I don't think I want to be a motorcycle mechanic. I, want, I think I want to be a farmer. Well then a few years later somebody comes back and they said, well, have you heard the latest about the motorcycles and what they're doing now? And I said, no, I haven't. I really haven't been keeping up with it. Right. Well, how do you do this to a motorcycle? Well, I don't know. I, I, one time I knew, but I forgot. On the other hand, if I go into the field of motorcycle mechanics, now I'm exposed to people who have all kinds of information and they're constantly coming in. They've got trade magazines sitting around. They've got talking at the break table about motorcycle mechanics. And so the, just by being there, I'm exposed to a whole lot more. I'm getting information just because it's falling out. It's falling off these people. It's coming to me. I'm picking it up. Hang around church people who are sold out to God. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? What's that old saying? It's hard to soar with eagles when you roost with turkeys. It's who you hang with. It's what you're doing with your garden. It's what's taking place, right? That idea of stony ground. Now, the idea of stony ground and hard hardness is a lot more common than you think that it is, even in the scripture and even among the people that he ran with. It was real common with the leaders and the rulers and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and those kind of people. It was real common, even to the point that they didn't even want to see people get healed. And they were struggling so much with the law. Well, how, who are you to tell this guy to pick your bed up and walk on Sunday? Who ever heard of such a thing? And so they were attacking him. Because their hearts were hard. And he told them in several other places, if you'll read this, your hearts are hard. In some places, he would look at them as they were talking and he would throw something out at them and he would watch their reaction. And he said he could perceive that their heart was hard. Simply off their reaction to it. 
been around people like that that you try to share a gospel, it's like, ooh, wow. Because they got hard hearts. And that's part of the stony ground. And part of the stony ground is about a hard heart and rocks underneath the soil. And the soil is about this high over a rock. Yeah, I've done it before. I've planted seed on stuff like that. And it does spring up real quick because it's real thick, it's real shallow. That rock will keep it nice and warm underneath there. Instead of all that cold earth, it'll heat that seed up and that seed will pop right on up. And first thing you know, if you don't stay right on top of it, watering it, it's going to dry up on you. It'll do that. This whole idea of the sower and the seed and the parable of the sower, I can't stress enough to you about this parable. The definition. Because I stumbled onto the definition. It's interesting. I was teaching this idea of hard-heartedness at another church. And I said, hard-heartedness is the events that people run into and they have exposure. And they, they get just what I told you a few minutes ago. It makes a hard heart. Sometimes I say some things and it doesn't land very good with me. Did I say that? And so that's the way that landed with me when I said that in this other church. And the next day, he started talking to me about that. He said, hard-heartedness? 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 And I said, okay, you said it three times. I need to check. I need to check this out. Why are you saying this? See, that was a scene. A question that he had. What do I need to do about this? And what he let me see was, as I studied that word, it is destitute spiritual perception. Destitute spiritual perception. And that goes back to how we perceive Perceiving is like understanding, only perceiving. When I was a kid, I was raised with a, my grandmother had a two-story, uh, two-story, <laughs> two-room log cabin that she lived in. And they burnt a, a drum stove. And in the wintertime, they would burn hickory in that drum stove. And when I was a little boy, I could go out to the country and I could catch a whiff of that hickory and it would automatically take me back to my grandmother and that little pot belly stone with that little drum stone. And that's perception. That's perceiving. Some stimulation that causes you to have a knee-jerk reaction to something that says something to you. Okay? And so those people who have a hard heart have not the condition inside of them so that when that word comes to them, they can't, they can't perceive it. That's why those people that sit under the gospel year after year, they can't perceive the application of that word into their life because their hearts are hard. That's what he accused his disciples of. You didn't believe the women when they told you that I had risen because you're hard-hearted. You got your lacking in some spiritual discernment here, some spiritual perception here. You need to work on that. You need to get yourself tuned up to the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit. That's who it's about. So you better get learn to get on first name basis with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't know how to take that. Example. Daddy said something to me, boy, that just hurt my feelings. Lord, what do I think? What should I do about that? 
He'd say, well, you don't know this, but Daddy has had a tooth that's been killable for three days. Why don't you just pray that Daddy get his tooth instead of getting offended about that? Daddy wouldn't have never told me about his tooth. But the Holy Spirit did because I called him into the situation. Because I've asked him about it. That's spiritual perception. That's being alive to spiritual information coming at you. 